0: to our Queer Media Podcast. This is one of the productions uh, for a final project in the Pomona College Course Queer Theater and Performance taught by Anna Winget. Um, I'm Hazel. And I'm Maya. And we are going to be unpacking our own personal histories with queer media that has been significant in our lives. We're going to start by getting to know each other a little bit, and especially for all of you, and then we're going to move into some rich discussions of various (laughs) pieces of, yeah, important media for us. Um, Let's start. So I've been thinking about how to frame this question of, you know, getting to know us, and I think how do you identify it's pretty tired at this point i I think you might agree with that Uh so instead i'm gonna try to say this in as non-confrontational of a tone as possible Uh but maya what are you
1: (laughs) thanks for asking Uh um i am a lesbian i use she her pronouns um i'm a gamer i am a uh, TV show connoisseur. I'm an Aquarius. Uh, I'm an anthropology major, and I don't know what I'm gonna do with that. Um, <laughs> Hazel, what are you? Ooh, you've given us a lot to work with. I feel
0: like we have a lot of <laughs> lot of attributes for you. Um, I am also a lesbian. My pronouns are also she her. Um I am a writer, a poet, um, a musician. Um, I'm a media studies major, um, an embroiderer, a lot of oh. kind of artistic interests. This is already so much more impressive than what I. I, just wouldn't, said. I wouldn't say that. Um, I also do acting, um, and I'm also transgender, um, which is probably probably a good thing to talk about. It it will be coming up in the podcast, believe it or not. Um, yeah, I think those are those are plenty of attributes. I'm a Pisces
2: whoa yeah i'm a
0: pisces moon that's pretty cool
2: yeah i love Pisces. i'm a sagittarius moon whoa yeah right wow what a great introduction but in addition from heiza and maya we also have another person who will join us in this podcast let us hear from them
3: hello Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. For anonymity's sake, you can just call me Milo. For a little background for my queerness before we dive into the interview, since I do believe that identities inform my opinions, I'm a trans man, he/him pronouns, and I'm also MSpec and a-spec.
2: Thank you, Milo. Now, let's us go back to Heza and Maya.
0: So we're also trying to cut through the noise and maybe foster some vulnerability here. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to, instead of the like, how are you questions that you can be like, I'm good. Because who's good? Yeah. Literally, who's yeah, good? Yeah, who's good? Imagine being good right now. I like, know, and at
1: this point of the year, absolutely not. It feels reductive. Yeah. There's
0: so many things happening that are, yeah. So instead, I'm going to ask, what has it been like to be you over the past, say, like week some fairly recent time frame
1: Hmm. thanks for asking that um mm-hmm. it's felt pretty like honestly just like my brain's just like a little machine and I'm just like kind of separated from it I just have so much little work to do and I'm I'm just running on empty so yeah but how has it been like to be you this week you're just kind of just slogging yeah I'm just, just slogging Adrenaline, yeah, a little
0: bit, I know what that's like uh uh-huh. yeah um i've been I've been all over the place um I think I've been having so I, I transferred here last semester, and I've really been starting to feel like I'm settling in more, and that feels mm-hmm. good, but what that also means is that I think like longer term emotions come to the forefront more often. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about, I don't know, just like other parts of my life and past because I am I feel like I'm finally starting to make a life for myself that makes sense to me and that mm-hmm. I enjoy. And so it, it almost has created the space for older feelings and kind of unhealed mm-hmm. issues to come to the surface. That's complicated because there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do at the same time. It's kind of
1: the kind of the crazy thing yeah yeah it's so hard to get like used to a place and then like getting used to a place it just like finding your comfort somewhere I feel like just like can take you back a little bit do you yes. know what I mean yes absolutely yeah. and that can be good it can be sometimes good yeah. rehashing things is good if you do it
0: differently than the last time you did it mm. um yeah okay so you're more or less running on fumes i'm reflective Uh and a little all over the place i'm like Um, the
1: opposite of reflective and not thinking and you're like
0: we'll do great we'll do great we'll be a great yeah yeah yeah. for each other i've really been trying not to shift stuff around but this chair just thwarted me so so no no you're fine um okay cool so with all of that said Let's, let's talk. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. queer media. So, so, do you want to talk about the categories?
1: Yes. Okay. So, first, we're going to be talking about our first exposure to queer media. Um, then, we're going to go into like formative queer media. And this can mean so many things like a positive formation, a negative formation. And then, just like hot takes on our recent fave queer medias. Yep. So, what I'm seeing is we've got almost like a the
0: first thing then a thing that ended up being very important to us uh-huh. and we're defining media pretty broadly yeah 100
1: okay. well that's what's queer you know you have to define it queerly
0: that's so true yeah we're queering the definition of media itself <laughs> you heard it here first everyone um yeah so i will start with so my yeah, first, exposure. first exposure so my first kind of I'm gonna define this as my first moment where I sort of saw queer people in a way that made me aware that they were queer on kind of a higher, like, conscious level. Mm -hmm. Um, So that has a lot to do with representation. And I think that was probably the same love music video that dropped in either 2012 or 2013. Um, Macklemore featuring Ryan Lewis when i was in the third grade i thought i was gay (laughs) um it's a good song it is and so i remember you know i was starting sixth grade i had just gotten a laptop for the new school that i was at and that gave me the ability to watch youtube basically whenever Uh, i was yeah 12 at the time um and I ended up watching that music video because I got into Macklemore. You got into, you got into I did. I did get into Macklemore. I was a fan. Okay. And everyone was like, you got to watch this video. So that same love music video is really interesting, I think. Because, how do I put this? It's the first gay Hallmark movie.
1: It's so interesting because... I had never watched, I mean, I listened to that song so much, but I mm-hmm. never watched the music video until at that class where we actually, like, we watched it. Yeah. Um, it's something. It's something. Yeah. So for anyone who
0: doesn't know, the Same Love music video, which is on YouTube still, you can still go and watch it, um, was a music video that was targeted around the same-sex marriage referendum in Washington State. I think it may have been for the fall 2012 election, Um, but I don't remember precisely. It features sort of the intertwined lives of these two gay men who grow up separately and um, eventually sort of meet each other and get married and then um, are married all the way until they both sort of die happily of old age. Um, It's very sentimental. Mm -hmm. It's arguably a little bit hokey. Um, (laughs) And I think importantly, right, it, symbolized a moment where marriage was really the center point mm-hmm. and becoming the center point of what being a respectable gay person was all about mm-hmm. um in our class we've learned about you know we've read some scholarship about the concept of homonormativity mm-hmm. um which is kind of a counterpart to heteronormativity mm-hmm. sort of what's a normal or socially acceptable way to be gay that we can negotiate and if there is if there is an acceptable way to be gay in our society is that good mm-hmm. is that a net
1: positive for
0: gay people
1: I, I always think about like the difference between like a gay person and a queer person you know like mm-hmm. a queer person is like oh they're they just like don't have to be the same thing like I know gay people that are just like so not queer you know mm-hmm. and that's what I'd kind of define like homonormativity as like it's just like Gay, but not queer.
0: So what's the difference for you, kind of broadly speaking? Because this is resonating with me too, Uh but I want to flesh it out.
1: I mean, I feel like queerness is, is so much. It, like, has to do with... Oh, it's so hard to explain. I, like, see it in an image. I can't, like, put it into words. It's like, you cannot be someone... You cannot be a queer person without going against the standard in a way, you know, and there are mm. gay people that really do fit into the standard. And like I I obviously it's harder for a gay person to like be socially like what's the word? Considered like considered normal. Yeah, considered normal. It yeah. is definitely hard for a gay person to be like that. But totally there there are gay Trump supporters. There are gay, mm-hmm. um like there are bad gay people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know like queerness is like it's like there are no fucking limits you know Mm -hmm. like you can just do whatever and there's nothing like you can be whatever and there's nothing stopping you you know yeah and then I feel like gay can be more like binary in a way
0: Hmm. so what I'm almost hearing is that there is a way for some gay people to be included And not be outsiders in our sort of society. Uh Um, And whereas for queer people, there's this outsider status that is almost like inevitable. Uh Um, Yeah, I mean, I relate to that. Absolutely. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I I think the same love music video is a really good example of that. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's two gay men who are in a monogamous relationship. They get married and there's this big, beautiful wedding that has all of these sort of signifiers of like being progressive. The wedding is presided over by a uh, minister who's a woman. Um, And that's just sort of a little utopian feminist (laughs) twist. It's very very 2012. Of Uh course, I think it's cool. And I think obviously if gay people want to get married, that's great. I might get married someday. Hard to say. Uh Um, But it's interesting to see you know, growing up gay, being attracted to men as another man, um, kind of ending in this logical point of marriage, right? Um mm-hmm. It reflects this sort of vision where what you want to do in your life is, like, find a life partner uh-huh. and then sort of end up with them. And, of course, we know that in practice that's often... Because of social standards around reproduction, uh-huh. which for most gay couples is not something that just happens sporadically, yeah. right? Um, so what were your ideas around marriage when you had watched that? Yeah, so my family, so I'm from Northern California, I'm from the Bay Area, so I'm from an urban, liberal area. My parents were liberal people, um, Obama voters, all that. Mm-hmm. Um and for my parents, monogamy was really important. Mm-hmm. My parents were high school sweethearts. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. They dated for seven years and they got married. Um, my parents were at the time, I think, more conventional Christians than they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, you know, I remember saying as like a 12-year-old, like, I don't understand why we have all this bigotry about gay couples in the church, I felt very strongly about this.
3: <laughs> um,
0: why can't they just abstain until marriage? Yes. Just let them get married and practice monogamy uh-huh. and sort of save yourself for your future same-sex husband or wife and, uh-huh. bam, we've solved the problem. <laughs> like, my parents taught me that that was a spiritually important thing.
1: Wow. Um,
0: because that commitment to monogamy and true love... Worked out very well for them. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents have a really wonderful relationship. And it's very gender equal. Like there's a lot of things that kind of defy what someone our age might think about it. Um, So that was the context for me. And so I remember showing this video to my dad. And it made my father cry. I mean the ending made my dad cry. No,
1: that's so sweet.
0: It was beautiful. I had this beautiful moment watching my dad watch this video as a 12 year old and I did not grow up to be a gay man. <laughs> um, I think I often had, there were, there were times in my life when I had that question, mm-hmm. when I assumed that I was male and I was like, I don't have a straight male sexuality Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about girls with other boys um I don't feel very similar to other boys or the way that they relate to their bodies or sex or romance right and so I sensed a kind of like queerness in my experience Mm -hmm. but when it came down to the question of like oh do you do you like men do you love men are you attracted to men the answer is mostly no Mm. And so I was very confused for a long time. But I think that same love video opened the door for me into seeing that there were other things. But at the same time, it was also limiting. Imagine, right, like, it's almost like you've been trapped in a house your whole life. The house is being straight, Mm -hmm. right? And then finally, one day, someone opens the back door of the house and you look outside for the first time And you look out onto this, like, massive, feels massive backyard full of other stuff. And they're like, this is it. This is the world.
1: No, it's the backyard. Like, (sighs) it's fenced. Wow, that is so well said. Oh, my God.
0: You, like, there's so much more out there. And so it was almost Uh. this illusion of, like, wow, I know everything that there is to know about having, like, a deviant or divergent identity now. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that's not true. That was kind of a front Um,
1: I feel like that's a common experience with like first exposures to something, you know, like, mm -hmm. like even the most like homonormative thing can be like way beyond perception for just like someone who's young, you know, if you have like, just not much queer influences, like we talked about earlier, just like not having a lot of queer people around in our childhood. um, It's just hard to picture like anything beyond you know
0: yeah yeah it's so true yeah I think especially like when you're still figuring yourself out and you don't have a-, a broader sense of community that you've found because you know what to call yourself things are especially fragile and they're especially hard and I honestly I think I'll always be grateful to that same love music video because um, it was really emotional for a lot of people and you know I think I watched my dad who, you know, would would have voted yes in favor of a same-sex marriage referendum, and I think did. Um, I could be imagining this, but I felt like I watched his heart change, in addition to his mind. Wow! Like in some ways, right? Because that's that's the whole point. It's a little bit reductive, but the idea is it's the same love, and I felt like he recognized that, and that was really powerful.
2: I oh can't take God.
0: that. I can't take that away from it. I can't. That, that's insane. I mean. He, like, he would have gotten there, and I don't even know if he'd agree with me on this, but, you know, frankly, my experience here is more important than than his in terms of what we're talking about, and that's how I felt, and that meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So, that's what was going on there. All right, Maya, now we are going to move on. Your first exposure to queer media,
1: however you define that, uh-huh. what would that be for you? So, uh, I would say this is kind of a weird example because I don't I don't know if people would define it as queer, but I think SpongeBob is definitely my first exposure to queer media. Spongebob. Yes. Got it. Okay. And Keep despite going. him like coming out, like I, I think he's like actually a canonical gay figure now. Is actually. he what? Yes. Apparently the show was like made for him to like be in love with Squidward, which like makes so much sense if you if you watch the show, but, mm-hmm. like, despite all of that, like, without any queer relationships, that show, to me, was just, like, the queerest thing ever, and I think, like, I watched that, sh- that was the only show I watched as a kid, like, from when I was so young to, like, middle school, it was mm-hmm. the only thing I was watching, like, I had heard so many people being like, this show's gonna give you ADHD, this show's gonna get, I do have ADHD, but <laughs> it it did give me all those things, I did lose
2: cells, <laughs> <themselves>, but, like, <laughs>
1: At the same time, Spongebob, like, really uh, gave me this outlet to just be, like, the weirdest person I could be. And I feel like, like, I've gone through my life now with so much, like, internalized, like, perceptions of myself, like, internalized homophobia. And that was a point in my life where I didn't have anything, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it was, like, I watched this show that was, like the craziest colors and like these fish and then it's like sponge that's not even like a living thing and I was like this is just a world I want to I want to live in like I want I want to be in this world I wish I could be you know and I think that way with so many shows now so many cartoons especially I feel like are just so queer like just like f- fantastical like representations of a world that just like could not exist you know mm-hmm. it's like it's all I wanted all I pictured was like I was like I'm gonna marry Spongebob when I'm older I'm yeah. gonna be with Spongebob I was ups- I was with him for Halloween every year he was just wow. like the the coolest person because he was just so authentically him
0: there's something very queer about young you trying to figure out how to express and communicate your love for SpongeBob. Not only like I'm gonna marry SpongeBob, but also I'm gonna dress up as SpongeBob. Can you can you imagine that meet cute? Like, oh my gosh, are you are you SpongeBob? I know so much about you. I used to dress up as you. Will you would you go out like?
1: I still have a thing for him now. I mean, it it could happen. That's that's beautiful. Yeah, I I was had themed birthday parties with SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it so was I show everything. It was just like my obsession. Like I I would per, I would like LARP as him essentially. Like ah! it was just my my favorite world. Like I I just wanted. That's all I could think of was just like in terms of SpongeBob. Wow. And I don't know. I just I wish I could have so much more of, like, a queer mindset now, I think, that I was just too young to internalize things, at, like, the point where I was watching Spongebob, Mm -hmm. and it was, like, okay, this is what life is, like, I can just be this weird and exist in, like, this structured society being this weird, Mm. and it was okay as, like, an elementary school student, but as I continued to, like, move on the years, it was just, like, oh, like, I can't be queer in the way that I once was, you know. Mm. That makes sense. There's expectations yeah. and ways that you
0: need to act and what maybe restrictions on your creativity yeah. and your spontaneity. Yeah. Maybe also as an ADHD person. Yeah, I would relate <laughs> to that. Um, yeah, so what I'm hearing is in 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 Bikini Bottom in the world of SpongeBob. Like a lot of things are possible. So many A lot things of possible. things are possible.
1: Oh He's a sponge with like cookie parents. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's so true. Yeah. And like, you know, it's funny because you have me thinking about other cartoons where a lot of things do happen. But, you know, I think about like Phineas and Ferb. Uh-huh. And that show's not the same. Maybe there's something queer about that show. I don't know. Probably, I'm sure. Definitely. Uh but it's not they build a thing every day. You know that's the pattern. Yes, but in in SpongeBob, the narrative form is a lot more random. Uh huh.
1: Yeah, I mean, just like universes and cartoons, I feel like can just be so queer. Like, not to make this an example, but like Adventure Time was such a like a show that I loved to watch as a kid. It was Mm -hmm. just like, wow, I wish there was like this lump that floated right next to me, and I can just talk to her, and, like, I wish I lived in this place where the birds sung to me, and, like, spoke to me, and I could just, like, talk to all these, like, inanimate objects, like, I just loved the idea of all that, and I just loved the idea of just having zero structure, like, not, no images of, like, a, a, capitalist job and like you know I just Mm -hmm. wanted like a queer society that was like my version of like the queer world in my head got it yeah that makes a lot of sense Uh.
2: that's amazing Hazel and Maya what about you Milo what's your first queer media that you get exposed to Trying to
3: determine my first piece of queer media is kinda hard. I think that my earliest memory of seeing queerness in the media was actually about being trans. It was an episode of the show, Psych, where one of the characters is trans. It didn't villainize being trans like other media does, but there was a sense of strangeness and otherness and abnormality. My memory is very foggy, since I saw it when I was very young and didn't really know what transness was. I remember being very confused, but I think it also made me associate shame with transness since it was something that was portrayed as hidden and unusual. I wonder how much that episode really affected my attitudes towards my own transness, or at least at the time, my gender nonconformity, which was also being fairly heavily pushed back by everyone around me. I'm surprised that I even remember watching this episode at all since I have an extremely bad memory Maybe that's just another sign that it did impact me. I also wonder how many countless other portrayals of transness in the media I absorbed when I was younger and just don't remember. I think it's an important thing to ask and question because it helps me unpack what I've been taught about transness from an anti-trans society, but trying to pinpoint exact memories and effects is also something I've been trying to stray away from. Because pinpointing exact things as proof or evidence of who I am today is also a very toxic thought cycle that has caused me lots of harm.
2: That's awesome, Milo. Let's go back to Heza and Maya and see what they have next.
1: Okay, so let's talk about your media that was formative for you
0: yeah there are a lot of options obviously um but one that was really significant for me was the album expectations by hayley kyoko <laughs> when i was when did that come out 2018 so i would have been 17 approximately when it came out um i'm built a little different as a trans person, I think my relationship to that album is not fully typical. For me, one thing that was a really key aspect of my experience with that album was watching queer girls my age who were out, like just love the album mm-hmm. and talk about it. And for me, as someone who was in like a pretty progressive school environment, um, it wasn't like I listened to that album in total secret. But it was a secret how much I adored that album and how frequently I listened to it and how, like, devoted I was to it for Uh a little bit, right? For reasons that I think I told myself I didn't understand, but I kind of did. Um, The really key song on that album for me was Sleepover, Uh which... I think is one of the best like queer pop songs ever made. Really? I'm not a Haley Kiyoko stan, like mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't think that she's all that anymore. Of course I appreciate her, mm-hmm. but I think that that song is really something special and we might night. play a clip of it right now. So you just heard a little segment, probably, of the song Sleepover by Hayley Kiyoko. Um, Obviously, it's a very melancholy song, right? It's about having a female best friend and having all of this sort of platonic intimacy that's considered Mm -hmm. very normal for teenage girls. getting dressed together, trying to decide what to wear, sleeping in the same bed, cuddling, Mm -hmm. right? Like all of this sort of physical intimacy and affection that's not formally considered to be sexual or romantic Mm -hmm. and having those feelings. I knew that that was the experience that, you know, queer girls my age were were testifying to, queer cis girls my Mm -hmm. age. And as someone who wasn't out and who was formally a straight boy, maybe a little bit by Curious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was kind of an extra layer of closet to the song for me, which is that, you know, Haley Hyukone narrates feeling repressed and feeling like she can't express her feelings mm-hmm. for this girl that she loves. And at the time I was best friends with and had a very sapphic, like soft relationship uh-huh. with a cis girl who was queer. Um, where we'd like hold hands in class and it was all very sweet and neither of us Aww. could really explain what was going on. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the vocabulary for it. And so for me, the melancholy of this Haley Kiyoko song became this like double-edged thing. It had a whole other layer for me, which is that like, I wish that I could be a girl so that I could be sad in the way that Haley Kiyoko was sad. Yeah. Like, I wish I felt like enough of a girl to feel unaffirmed as a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um. And I thought about that very consciously you know I used to do my little baby lesbian thing I used to like listen to it and think about her um (laughs) yeah it was it was a time junior year of high school was a time in my life absolutely um I'm trying to think of what else there is to say about it beyond that do you have any questions
1: um yeah I do I mean I I haven't listened to sleepover but I I don't know, it's giving the vibe of like girls like girls. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like it's the it's the sad side of girls like girls. Uh-huh. And for what it's worth, everyone, if you don't know this, Girls Like Girls is kind of the breakout Haley Kyoga yeah. single. Yeah. When she was coming off of being like a minor Disney star. And it's a very kind of happy, triumphant, anthemic song about girls liking girls. But Sleepover is it's sadder cousin. That's uh-huh. how I describe
1: it. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um so, yeah, I guess I would just ask, like, I mean, it, it is, like, just so real, like, that kind of homoerotic relationship, and yeah, there's so many more layers to it. Um, let me just think about how I'm going to form this question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, so, in, in your mind, was there, like, could you, like, define the way you were feeling in a way? Like
0: yeah yeah so I had some ways around like looking it in the face um that were relatively clever. I think oftentimes, I just wanted women to sort of like recognize me mm-hmm. as one of them in some kind of instinctive mm-hmm. way, and for me, for a while, it simply felt easier to just be kind of post gender with the whole thing, mm-hmm. right, really, just try to think about like well differences in people's personalities by gender are socially constructed rather than biologically constructed i was very invested in just thinking like the differences between us are not as significant mm-hmm. as we've been led to believe by our society which for what it's worth is also true but as someone who has had a testosterone dominated and estrogen dominated body i can say they are different experiences yeah. they're not the same mm-hmm. um and so i I think I overplayed that in my head. Um, And so I would think things consciously, like I want to be a girl, but it was also on the level of like, I wish that there was no defined difference between me and a girl Mm -hmm. so that I didn't have to do all this work to be a girl and do all these like hard, terrifying, scary things. I had... An anxiety disorder, and I was very sort of socially conscious at the time. Mm-hmm. So thinking too hard about it was a no-go, basically. Yeah. Um, but this song helped me work through it. and
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Do you think it, it was like positive in the way that it was formative?
0: Hmm. I think it was neither. It helped me frame a problem. Listening to it never made me feel good. But
1: it was like clarity,
0: but I felt understood, yeah, sort of I felt the desire to be understood, and when I felt that desire to be understood by the song and to listen to the song in a way that meant something about me mm-hmm. meant that I was a girl who liked other women mm-hmm. you know and girls, um then i had a had a sense of clarity about what it was that I wanted, and mm-hmm. staring that in the face. I don't know. It always teaches you something. Mm-hmm. Always, always, always. Yeah. yeah. Okay, having covered Maya's hot take about why SpongeBob is queer, <laughs> let's hear a piece of media that was formative for you. Yeah,
1: so I, as a kid, was really obsessed with reading Fifth Harmony fanfiction mm. Specifically Cameron Camila and Lauren fanfiction mm-hmm. um, And this was at a point Where I like wasn't really out of the closet But it was such like A shame thing for me I mean I was such an online kid Like mm-hmm. I was so on the internet And I was doing Things on the internet that I really shouldn't have been But mm-hmm. at the same time oh My mom she was just like never, never go on the internet in a place where, like... She was, like... She really, like, fear-mongered me. She was, like, don't go on the internet, like, there... Uh, don't go on Club Penguin. Don't go on Moodle <laughs> Planet. Don't go on, like, all these, like, apps because it's you're going to, like, get kidnapped. And then don't go on any, like, communication or, like, any... She, like, really did not want me on the internet.
3: Hmm.
1: Um, but she didn't stop you. I mean, I would... That's what I'm getting to. I would go on my computer, because this was at the time where I was, like, in school, I needed a computer. How old were you? Um, I would say I was, like, 6th to 7th grade. Okay. 5th, 6th, and 7th. So, where, like, 11,
0: 13?
1: Yeah. Okay. And so, it used to be on my, like, home desktop, where I would, like, go look things up, and then, like, switch the tab to, like, a YouTube video. Like, I, I was so, oh my god, I was so obsessed with Movie Star Planet, where... I wish I could use this as an example of queer media, because I had, like, so many relationships with women, and I would, like, pose as, like, a guy on (laughs) Movie Star Planet, and that was, like, my favorite thing to do, and then my mom would walk in, and I'd switch the tab, and she'd be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I saw you switch the tab, and she, like, didn't know really how to, like, figure out the computer, so she couldn't, like, check my history, Mm -hmm. but it was just... So, I just had, like, a lot of shame being on the internet, Mm -hmm. and... I was a really, like, repressed person. I feel like I was I was a late bloomer and at the same time, like, romance and, like, sexual things were not really discussed in my family. And, like, mm-hmm. at, at that young of an age, it, like, makes sense, but, like, it would never be discussed now. Like, it's, mm-hmm. like, a very traditional Middle Eastern household. And um, it was just, like... As a woman, you don't feel these things, you know? It's like, you... Like, every time my mom was like, do you have a crush on someone? And I'd be like, no. She'd be like, you'll know once you turn 18. So for so long, I'd be like, okay, I'll know once I turn 18. I'll know then. And, like... Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started getting into Fifth Harmony, and, like, I was on Twitter and, like, in the... In the and Fifth Harmony is fifth harmony is a girl group a girl group. a girl group a yeah girl group. um and i was just and i honestly didn't even like their music that much is the thing like yeah. i like their music <laughs> but i was just so obsessed you like that they're hot yeah i just like that they're hot and i like, know i really do think that that's what most people liked about them oh 100 mm-hmm. i mean not were to say okay. that they don't have like good music they were I, okay i do think that like boss. Is a really good song. Miss Moving On is a really good song. Um, But I was just, would be on my computer looking up like Camila and Lauren interaction compilations for like, it was like the, what is Louie and Harry's, Larry, like, Larry? Larry Uh version of like Fifth Harmony. Okay, Um, so you
0: had the lesbian version of the Gay One Direction. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. so. Girl uh,
1: group, boy band,
0: I see the analogs. Yeah. I see how they're oh
1: <laughs> Um, and so I, I end up on this like website. Well, I was like reading fan fiction a lot. I mean, I was on Wattpad, but I end up on this Fifth Harmony fan fiction website, and um, I'm reading like long, 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 long like like essentially books of like just Camila and Lauren, and like it's erotic in some places, and then it's like so romantic and it was like my only like exposure to like real romance and real like like discussions of sex and like what I didn't know what sex was I didn't know what like relationships looked like and, and that includes like straight relationships like yeah okay I did it I feel like my parents did never had a romantic relationship so mm-hmm. I never I never knew what it and I was just such a romantic person, even though I didn't have romantic feelings for anybody for so long. I just, like, craved romance. And I was such a storyteller in my head. I would just, like, be making these stories in these, like... And, like, I'd imagine myself as, like, a man having a crush on one of my friends. Like, and, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I, like, really did find ways around it. But when I was, like, reading these stories, it was, like, whoa, like... This is, like... I really, like felt like it was me for some reason like and Mm. I never had that before and like even now I'm like I feel like I've like had so many relationships in my life just because I've been so invested in like the things I've read to the point where like as a kid I thought I would I was there you know Mm -hmm. like I thought Mm -hmm. I was one of the characters I thought I was Mm Camila dating Lauren you know so this is one of the first times, or maybe the first
0: time, when you didn't have to be, making a male avatar on in it, yeah. Or <laughs> yes. imagine your attraction or infatuation or, or feelings for one of your female friends uh-huh. by sort of doing this little thought experiment yeah. where you would dissociate uh-huh. and pretend that you were a man.
1: But at the same time, I feel like I still found ways around it being like, because I I was kind of open with the fact that I was like such a Fifth Harmony stan and that I like was reading these like fan fictions, and and like I I was just kind of like yeah I'm like just interested. It's like you just like it. It's just like I love women in like a aesthetic way. And I like that they love each other. Yeah.
3: <laughs> wow. So so
1: feminist. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, yeah. Wow,
3: (laughs) it's beautiful.
2: These are great stories. What about you, Milo? Do you have any formative piece of queer media?
3: While that psych
2: episode might've been my first
3: vague instance of queer representation, I definitely think that the first big representation I saw was pretty formative of my attitudes towards queerness. It was Mitch and Cam from Modern Family. Even though the show has a lot of problematic stuff in it, it was my first big exposure to queerness, and it was treated as something positive. Of course, media portraying queer freedom as something that is conforming and homonormative is harmful. But I'm still grateful for it, because I had not gotten a lot of exposure to queer media for the majority of my life. It reminds me of an interesting discussion. If bad representation is better than no representation. Everyone's experiences are totally different. But for me, I think that bad representation is better than no representation. I saw very little queer media growing up, and basically no trans representation. I think if I had just been aware of the queer community more, I would have recognized my own queerness much sooner. While bad representation might have made me feel bad about my queerness, at least I would have known it was an option. I think that when I was a child, it would have been easier for me to come to terms with being a freak, which is how society makes us feel, than it was trying to think what I'm feeling isn't real or worse, how my high school would describe the truth. It's a very colonial way of thinking, and it put the pressure on me to gaslight myself into thinking I couldn't possibly be feeling these feelings, rather than putting the pressure on me to just hide what I felt. Of course, I say all this after the fact, but who knows which one would have been the better option for me when I was growing up. Funnily enough, it was at high school that I had one of the most formative queer media experiences. I got to play a guy in one of my high school plays. It was the classic, we don't have enough guys who auditioned, so we'll have to cast a girl. At the time, it didn't even truly register in my mind that doing this play made me feel oddly happy, let alone why it made me happy. Reflecting back on it, I realize now how it was a formative piece of media for me, and how it actually got me into doing theater more seriously because of the freedom I felt. Plus, now my queerness really informs the art I make, and the art I plan on making. I honestly don't know how I will explicitly incorporate transness into my art once I'm fully able to come out to everyone, but I'm extremely excited for it.
2: That's really cool, Milo. Thank you for sharing. Let's go back to Hezo and Maya and see what they have next.
1: So I want to hear about your recent favorite. Recent
0: favorite. So I'm going to define recent pretty broadly. Um, I think it's funny that I haven't mentioned any overtly trans media for my sort of first exposure or for my formative media. Um, I think that's telling. There's a lot less trans media. There's a lot less media, relatively speaking, about trans women. Mm-hmm. Um And also trans women who aren't straight. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I think that there's a lack there. With that in mind, I will say, last year I read Detransition Baby, which is a book by Tori Peters. It's a novel for the first time. And I think it did change my life in a couple of very particular ways. Mm -hmm. So... The Transition Baby is a kind of, I think it's excellently written, but Mm -hmm. it's it's a romance novel about two trans women and one sort of cis woman who have this sort of three-part relationship that they're negotiating with each other for the course of the book. And it's told from all three of their perspectives. But we get very intimate looks into sort of the consciousness of trans women. How do they think about themselves? How do they think about their identities? They're in New York. What is it like being a trans woman in New York, right? Um, How do you relate to cis people? How do you relate to cis women? How do you relate to cis men? Um, What are the particular points of oppression and concern that you have as you Mm -hmm. go about your day-to-day life, right? What, What is that experience like? And I was just coming out and I was on a gap year and I was out to my family. That was fine, but it was it was a bit touch and go. It was a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I was waiting for something to happen in my life. So to read about the sort of interesting, crazy, weird exploits of these trans women was really interesting. And also, the characters were more intimately relatable to me than any other characters mm-hmm. I'd read in a long time, maybe ever. Um, Can you give like an example of something that was specifically, like... Yeah. So, I mean, I think a big part of it is just the way that it feels to read things from their perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Tori Peters is very conscious to kind of show how they relate to their feelings. You were talking about this earlier at Mm -hmm. dinner. How they sort of display their feelings, how they perform their feelings for the wider world and also for each other Mm -hmm. and the ways that they assert their power, they go through their lives in very like overtly feminine ways. Mm-hmm. You could not really mistake these characters for men in the ways that they think, in the ways that they feel, in the ways that they carry and relate to themselves. Um, and so I, I think that that was really, really huge for me. Mm-hmm. Just this understanding of... Obviously, in a novel, you don't ever see what these characters look like. You don't have that presumption. Instead, you're more or less just dropped into their head. Mm -hmm. And there's this de-emphasis on the visual, which I think was very helpful for me, since so much media today is so visual. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Do you feel like it's better expressed in words?
0: I don't know. I think it's a mixed bag. I think we're seeing a very intense production of images right now that are very sort of transphobic and also Mm -hmm. this sort of exploitation by a lot of right-wing groups of a lot of images of trans people, particularly trans women that were originally neutral. Um, Conservatives love pictures of uh, Leah Thomas, who was a women's college swimmer, Um, who is trans Mm. Uh, and they love taking those pictures and showing them in a context that implies like that she's a very masculine person which I think is horrible I I think has always been horrible and is really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. Um, but in a world where right wingers have so much influence over image production and there are so many tropes and smears that are so caricatured um not having that visual liability is in some cases it's it's an advantage sometimes mm-hmm. does that
1: make sense yeah that does make sense
0: yeah so i and i think for me as someone who was and is still recovering from my relationship to a lot of trans misogynistic tropes when i was growing up mm-hmm. um that was helpful as well that wasn't i didn't need to deal with that to mm-hmm. get in the door yeah and relate to the character that wasn't emotional work and so weirdly there's there's an immediacy to that mm-hmm. it's just their thoughts yeah um i was really grateful for that and i'll say one more thing which is um i i feel like i can feel any like especially like trans people of color like hearing me idolize this book a little bit being like well the book's kind of racist the answer to that question is yes like the book is the book is the book is a bit racist Uh in places possibly significantly more racist I haven't looked into it very much what I know is that I loved it I related to the characters on an emotional level and so you know I, I just want to make the point that I would never argue that the book is a perfect document.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: However, in the world that we live in where there is so little media, even having narration by characters who feel like me, Uh who have life conflicts and relate to other trans women. That can
1: just be so touching. I mean, it is just so powerful.
0: Like it made me feel very known Mm -hmm. and it proceeded to become a bit of a script for how I've lived my life since then Mm -hmm. and how I've negotiated or navigated um, kind of trans communities and what I expect from those communities and not all those expectations are good but it's so 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 important to have something mm-hmm. I don't think that straight people but I also don't think that cis people are necessarily fully aware of what it's like to not have a narrative for your gender experience mm-hmm. and have to write that yourself and come up with that yourself yeah and I do that. I'm a writer. I write poetry. Um. And I express myself in lots of other different ways. But I feel like I'm constantly trying to build up this vocabulary of how do I relate to this world that's not made for me and that doesn't want to yeah. offer me cultural citizenship. In fact, wants to make me kind of mm-hmm. an object of ridicule and contempt, right? Um,
1: and I feel like for underrepresented queer people, like you really just... Have to take what you can get when there is such little representation. Like, anything can be powerful. It's not like, you know, straight cis people can just, like, relate to literally every other person there. Yes. are you know?
0: Yes. Absolutely. But I think the goal is always to have something. Yeah. Because if you have a script, you can work with it. Mm-hmm. And there aren't many for us. Mm-hmm. And... That's a that's a sort of vacuum or a burden that I feel producing that something from almost nothing.
2: That was very touching, Hezo. Thank you so much for sharing. And before we go back to Maya, let us ask Milo, what is recent piece of media that affected his life? What do you think, Milo?
3: Besides the ones I mentioned, I'll be honest that not a lot comes to mind. I can count a few other media pieces with queerness in them, like The Good Place or The Owl House, but they didn't really have an effect on the formulation of my identity. I think that most of the media that actually helped me recognize my queerness wasn't film or theater, it was media produced by fandom, like fan art, fanfics, and memes. Every time I think of a character or show that really helped me, I realize it's literally just a headcanon and not actually part of the show or movie itself. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm realizing how strange that is, that the internet, let alone internet culture, hasn't been around for very long, and yet it was the media platform that affected me the most. I think it's a lot easier for queer people to find a spot in the internet fandom spaces now because it's so accessible compared to trying to produce a queer film or something which has been produced by queer people for a very long time, but it wasn't as accessible to find. I think my experiment experience must be a very Gen Z experience. <laughs> I'm really curious now about what the experiences of the younger generations are, since they are getting access to the internet at much, much younger ages. Now that I know about my queerness and transness, representation doesn't affect me in the same way as it has before, which was helping me peel away from my hetero, cis, aloe mask, but it does help me feel less isolated, I think. I get really excited for any rep, even if it's not great rep, or the show is cringy. I've talked to other queer people about this, and it's this weird mix of feelings. For example, we don't want to be praising Netflix for adding a queer secondary character who's just a stereotype, but also, sometimes our minds still latch onto those characters, and we still love them or project onto them, etc. I literally just saw my first representation of a trans guy, like less than a year ago, and I couldn't help but obsess over it, even though I don't really like the show. And this character is played by a cis guy, and it was just really bad representation. I think that it's okay to allow yourself to enjoy these kinds of medias as a break as long as you're still putting in the work to recognize what's not good about it and how to deconstruct your own thoughts and what you've been taught.
2: That was very thoughtful, Milo. Thank you for sharing it with us today. Now, before this podcast comes to the end, let us go back and hear Maya's thoughts.
0: Right, so we've just heard about the Fifth Harmony fan fiction from <laughs> ages, what, 11 through 13? Yes. Now we will move to a more recent era uh-huh. of Maya history. Uh-huh. And ask, what what media has been resonating with you lately?
1: Yes, so recently I, I've discovered this show called Are You the One? And I, I love reality shows, and I always like love to imagine myself if I was in a reality show. But it's so hard to do with shows like Love Island, where you have to be so mannered and like, so, uh, oh my god, it's like, well, it's just such a straight show, you know? It's Mm -hmm. just like, you are like, a little female and you have to wait for like, the men to approach, you know? It's just like, so structured in such a like, specific way, like, Mm -hmm. You have to wait for him to kiss you and then you can't say this because it's out of order and you um da da da, da whatever. There's so often like,
0: literal literal rules for how you're yeah. supposed to engage, and yeah. those are often very gendered, and sometimes they're backwards, and sometimes they're conservative in the guise of being what, old fashioned or fairy yeah. tale. Oh my gosh, true love. That I kind know. Of thing.
1: And it's like it's so entertaining to watch, but it's also like horrifying to imagine myself in that context. Like kind of like being a I don't know, not, this is kind of, like, foul, but, like, being a self-aware person in, a, in a, a room full of, like, people that are just, like, going along with this, like, this thing and doing it so well. And, like, being someone who, like, feels anxious in a room full of people like that, mm-hmm. you know, it's yep. just, like, terrifying. Like, like you've seen too out to handle. Like, can you... Yep imagining yourself in that in that context with like no I'd be paralyzed it's like terrifying
0: I'm not screwing anyone over on that show like
1: I yeah I can't pull
0: that off (laughs) I care too much about other people's feelings I also care too much what they think about me to want to offend them yeah
1: and it's also just like how would I ever speak to these people you know like I I don't think if you saw them on the street. If I was in in Love Island with them, right? okay, okay, how could I ever communicate with these people and make like a would relationship? Would you speak the same them? language? Do yeah, you care I, about yeah. the same things? I, I don't think we'd have much to talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not because I love certain people on the shows, but I'm just talking about like the general like consensus of people on reality shows. It's just like whatever. They, Moving just, on. They, they
0: communicate in a very yeah. particular way. Yeah. I felt that too. Yeah. I felt that in lots of media, but particularly in reality TV. Yeah. My family used to watch Survivor, like it was a, Oh, I love Survivor. Survivor's great, but <laughs> yeah. it's still true there to some oh, extent. One hundred percent.
1: Survivor's like a whole nother. Quick
0: um, yeah, quick little question for you yeah. then. So I mean you've said that when you were younger, feeling like you were in the world that you were a character yeah. was really important to you. Uh-huh. Do you still find yourself wanting to do that? Wanting to be in the story? Yes. yes. So then am I right in sort of picking up what you're putting down that <laughs> you really want to feel like you're in this reality show? You yeah. want to feel averse. Yes, you want to feel part yes. of the story.
1: I mean, I want to like, after I turn off the TV, go and be like, in my head, be like, what would I be doing on this, in this episode? Mm-hmm. What would I deal, how would I deal with this drama? Who would like me? Who would I like, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting to think about, like, in any form of media, like, even, like, a song. I can imagine myself singing that song. I don't know <laughs> if that's, like, narcissistic. It's just, like, mm. like a little bit, like... I'm just dreaming about it, you know. Well,
0: it's funny because it's also probably empathetic in a lot of ways, right? Because uh-huh. you you relate to the characters on such like a tangible, real level, and you you see yourself there. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I wouldn't be so eager to to write it off as something that might be negative. Yeah. Um, it seems cool. It seems awesome. But the sort of straightness and the conventionalness, the almost conservativeness of these shows
1: stopping you from doing that and you love doing that and it's a problem yeah so what's the solution? exactly like i want to imagine myself going to bed in love island but i'm not gonna think about getting ready to go to bed and wearing like a sexy little fit to to sleep and like sleeping next to someone that i don't know you know it's Mm -hmm. like it's just horrifying i can't imagine being on a reality show like that but to my point are you the one is Mm -hmm. It's, like, not... It's really not so structured, and it's a more, like, real... I don't know. I wouldn't... I don't really care. It's, like, it's kind of more real. It's just, like, definitely real people. Like, the people on other shows are just, like, very influencer type, and these are just, like, people that you could meet, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot more, like, deep communication. And there was a queer season of Are You The One? And... It was basically like, the, the objective of the show is to like find your perfect match and you're like in a room of like 20 people and like for the straight seasons, it's like 10 girls, 10 guys. And like one of the guys is your perfect match, but you need to figure it out. And then for this season, it was just like 20 bisexual people and like of all wow. different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so interesting to like, see the differences between, like, a season like that and then a show like Love Island where it's so structured. Like, at one point in the show, there was, like, an orgy with, like, five people and, like, a bed and, like, they all just, like, decide that they wanted to have sex with each other and it's, like, it's just so, like, there are no conventions in a queer space. Like, everyone got so close so quickly Mm -hmm. and there was still, like, kind of, like, a possessiveness for sure. Like, Um, but in a really queer, like, lesbian way. They're
0: still human. Yeah. They're still
1: human, believe Um, it or not. Yeah. (laughs) But it was just so cool, and I feel like I really could envision myself. It, like, kind of felt like our colleges, like... That, you know what I mean? I don't like, know what
0: kind of experience you're having at the Claremont Colleges, but no, no, no. All, all jokes aside, I, I get it. I do. You know? I do. It's it's a queer place. It is. Yeah, I've mean, ju- I've just never completely. been in
1: like. See, uh, yeah. Of course, it's not completely, but I've just never been around so many queer people, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. It 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 was it, it's interesting. It, it's just interesting to see how queer people communicate and get to know each other and, like, situate themselves on television. Television, oh, my God. Um, As opposed to, like, a straight, like, really famous, like, influencer type show you know
0: and they had the chance to do that the show gave that to them yeah and they took it yeah and apparently it's great so you'd recommend it
1: i would recommend it i mean it is a little bit wild like that's okay i like wild yeah i think you would enjoy it it's definitely like very comedic it's it's hilarious okay
0: nice we have our first i think um unequivocal recommendation yes. of you should watch yes, this. Yes, you should watch it. I think for the entire episode, we've been hedging a little bit. Uh-huh. I know this is old. I know this is a little <laughs> outdated. I know Same Love is a little homonormative <laughs> and a little reductive and maybe marriage isn't the girl. But but are you the one? But are You the
1: One is great. You should yeah, watch that. You should
0: watch You should watch it. that. Yes. And you never know. Some college students might be, might be sitting in a room much like this one 10 uh-huh. years from now and being like, you guys remember that show? Are you the one from when we were like 12? <laughs> and they'll be like,
1: 12. that show
0: sucked, but it taught me about being gay. And that's yes, beautiful. exactly. Maybe exactly. they'll do the same thing yes. that we did. You I never th- know. I
1: think it will happen, yeah. It's always possible. I hope there will be more queer reality shows too.
0: Me too. Yes. There are some ideas that I would really, go for. Oh my God, really so go for. many
1: queer survivor. Yes. Would be great. Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Sometimes it's exciting to think about the future. 100%. Because also, so little queer media has been tried that if we just had the money, like, if
1: you had that job, oh my it would be amazing. It would be amazing.
0: You just throw ideas to the wall and, like, queer people are so vibrant and dynamic yes. and insane and uh-huh. interesting that it's just cinema no matter what you do. Yes. It's not just TV. It's, it's something too else. too true. Too true. Yes. I love being gay so fun me too okay i think that's a good place to wrap up yes. honestly all right everyone thank, thank you, for, you so much for listening for, thank you for tuning into this episode um, i'm hazel i'm maya and you've been listening to the queer theater and performance podcast on queer media have a wonderful day or night wherever on the globe you are bye
2: bye